Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. 8.14 on a Monday morning. Eric Bilstead, Vince Petrano here with you. And we take this up till 9 o'clock before we bring in... No, not graffiti today. You got Bill today? Uh, yeah. Bill and Joe? Doing it by themselves. There we go. Right? So they'll take you all the way up until noon. The theme for this hour of the program, I'm, I'm actually noticing that several of the things that we're going to talk about all relate to each other in this one way. Okay. They're all things that you and I have put on the radar <laughs> okay. for the good folks who listen to our program, who like their AM radios in their cars. So we'll be advancing several topics that we have brought to your attention over the last couple of months, in particular a couple in the last week or so. We have Bill Davidson joining us at about 20 minutes before 9 o'clock. Yes, of those Davidsons, of the Harley-Davidson-Davidsons. Uh, Bill runs the museum and does other marketing things with Harley-Davidson. He's going to come in here and talk about not only just in general the plans for this summer's now annual Milwaukee Homeco- uh, Milwaukee Harley-Davidson homecoming. I was going to talk you off the ledge a little bit, I suppose. <laughs> well, right. I hope. One thing we put in front of you a week or two ago was when Harley-Davidson came out with the dates for its upcoming festival, they are the same weekend as the Milwaukee Air and Water Show. And we did raise the question of, we're not the only ones who noticed this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been assured at multiple levels that no, we're not, All and right. that various people have been talking with each other. But uh, Bill's a great interview and a good friend, and he has a lot of cool stuff to talk about this morning. So we'll talk to Bill coming up at 9 o'clock or 20 minutes before 9 o'clock. What I'm putting in front of you now, the headline reads, if it seems Wisconsin school districts are asking voters for more money more often, it's because they are. You already knew that if you listened to the show. Because you and I started talking about this, what, a couple of months ago? Yeah. And it was something that I heard brewing over the summer. A lot of folks in education, my dad and my stepmom and my mom and my wife were all teachers for a long time, so I'm kind of plugged into some of those circles And something that I was hearing bubbling up over the summer was, hey, something coming here on the funding issue. We're we're going to be going to referendum. A lot of schools are going to go to referendum. A lot of school districts. I said, why? Just had a shared revenue thing. We just had the big celebration at the state level. The governor and legislators with their big thing. Hey, this is a historic investment in education. They had the uh, wheelbarrows at the coin pool there, the surplus pool. Sending it down to schools. (laughs) Dumping the coins in the barrels, sending them all across the state. And my question over the summer and with folks that I've talked with was like, wait, what? What about that? And they're like, oh, no, no, that's not going to that's not going to cover it. <laughs> OK, I thought maybe it was just some people talking. But more and more, I had more of these conversations and looked more into it. And as it turns out, a lot of school districts across the state, maybe where you live. I know you're getting it where yep. you live. Oh, we're yeah. having it in Greendale are going to be going to referendum in the spring. So it's a story that we've been talking about folks kind of towing up to the cliff and the fiscal cliff is looming. The answer that many of them will present is going to referendum. They'll be asking taxpayers for millions of dollars in referendum questions. In a lot of cases, these aren't the sexy referenda either. By sexy, I mean, hey, we want to build a field house. <laughs> or we want to have a pool. I like how that field house is sexy, pool is sexy, but you know, anything right. that has to do with learning, not sexy. Well, that's the thing. It's like these quote-unquote <laughs> operating referendums are... Just to keep doing what we're doing, right. to not lay off 100 teachers in big school districts, and no, to keep right. the lights on, and to do the business of just your basic education of the students that we've been doing, we still need more money. And that's why that's it's a little bit different question. If you're saying, all right, if we 
jack up your taxes a little bit, you're going to get this, this new facility or this new thing that the community can enjoy versus we need to come at you right now for a whole bunch more money to just do the status quo. And that's what a lot of these districts are, are going to be asking voters for. In Milwaukee, it's $250 million this time. Now, that's obviously the biggest school district in the state that's going to be spread out over the largest number of people. But MPS just went to referendum four years ago, 2020, and that one passed. Now they need $250 million more. Other school districts are doing that. It'll be smaller. The numbers are smaller. And everybody has their opinion about their own district, whether or not the district where you live is fiscally responsible with your money. But the uh, the article that I quoted the headline from was by Danielle Duclos of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. You may see it in your feed if you subscribe to JS in the app. Here's what she writes. It's estimated a quarter of school districts in the state will put a referendum on the ballot in 2024 She's citing Julie Underwood, who's uh, with the University of Wisconsin-Madison, focuses on education policy. More than 50 school districts have already said they're putting at least one referendum on the ballot in 24. Many others are considering it. And if they wouldn't in 2024, what would be the expectation the next time well, around? Right? right. And how how secure are those finances? Maybe the need isn't there right now, but maybe they go at you next year or the year after, even with the historic investment in education. So that so it wasn't an historic investment then. Is that what we're well, It wasn't historic enough is what the school districts are saying. And wh- why are we at this point? We've the article does a nice job of laying out what we've talked about already. What the primary reason is state funding for education has not kept up with inflation since 2009. So inflation has been higher than the amount that local school districts were allowed to charge per pupil or per pupil funding. They've not matched up. So you have inflation at a higher level than the funding that's followed. And so over the years, some districts maybe had a little bit of leeway. I know the presentation that we saw in Greendale was, well, we took from this and we borrowed over there and we put duct tape on that and we put chewing gum on that. And we haven't had to do this yet. And we're out of options. And many school districts are coming to their taxpayers and saying that. So it's it's the big issue of it having not kept up with inflation. Also, you had COVID funding in there since twenty that allowed districts to plug some of those gaps. That's drying up. And that's drying up now as well. On top of that, something else that's structural is special special education funding from the state does not come close to covering the cost of that duty that those local districts have to families who have special needs children. And so all of those things combined, plus inflation that's been at historically high levels, have created this moment that we're in right now. And the pile of surplus money just isn't there anymore for us to well, it's there. siphon. <laughs> right, but there's not energy, it seems, behind spending any of those billions or any of the billions more on plugging this gap for school districts. So they will be coming to many districts across the state. Again, the article citing a quarter of school districts already doing it, many more still considering Put it on your radar right here first yeah. on Wisconsin's Morning News. 821. 826, Wisconsin's Morning News. Another thing that we've been talking about is I think what could be a looming energy crisis in the country. Not because we don't have enough, but because we're changing the way we do things. We want more and more stuff to be electric powered, but we don't want to build any new power plants. We don't want to build any new transmission lines. We want to increasingly move at the same time to renewable energy, which is not as efficient as fossil fuel-based energies. Nobody wants coal anymore. Now there's a war on natural gas as well, which I'll get to in a moment. But like you have this, these sort of warring ideas of, okay, we want more and more things to be powered by electricity, 
But we also don't want to invest in things that create that electricity. It causes me to ask the question of whether or not folks really understand how electricity works. I am, I am convinced, and you laugh at me all the time, I'm convinced that many of the people who are pushing policies, whether at the city level, the state level, or the federal level, have zero understanding of where electricity comes from. They, they think it's magic? Yeah, I think it comes from the wall. <laughs> That's where electricity comes from. Hmm. Ah, it's easy. I just plug it in. Now I have this non-polluting device. It comes from somewhere. It is generated from somewhere. Chicago right now toying with the idea of going all electric in residential properties. And I think this would apply to business as well. They want to follow New York down the path of banning natural gas stoves and gas everything else for that matter in future construction. Here's ABC's Lionel Moyes. Chicago is not the first big city to tackle this issue. In New York, gas and construction trade groups are suing to block a state ban on gas stoves and furnaces in new buildings. The first stage of the New York ban is set to take effect in 2026. So what are they doing in Chicago? The proposal at the city council level anyway would essentially outlaw natural gas hookups in new construction. So, sure, you can go ahead and buy a gas stove. (laughs) <laughs> you just got no gas it. coming into your house, right? <laughs> so that's how they, they say, well, we're not banning appliances. Oh, I suppose not. But any new construction, you wouldn't have the hookups necessary to have a gas power dryer or stove okay. or water heater or furnace or whatever. That would require new buildings and homes to use electric over natural gas. Opponents say not so fast. They're calling for a study on the potential costs, especially if such a ban is eventually expanded to more buildings. Critics also question whether the electric company can handle the extra load. Yeah. And have we thought about that before we've decided, here's what we're going to do? I think sometimes not. I think we just decided we want to do this because we want to do this. See, I wondered about this too, and I don't know the answer to it, but I know that Ford and Chevy have both said they want to go all electric by 2035. So they've had to have looked at that, right? Like Ford isn't just making that decision without processing, okay, where is all that energy going to come from to be able to charge said vehicles, right? Unless they're just following on the lead of what they feel, the the tide. You know, California has said, what, 2035, they will ban the sale of gas-powered vehicles. But then you is- can still drive them if you have them, but they will not allow the sale of new gas-powered vehicles, 2035 in California. Sure. So you think Ford so- is just reacting to California? They have to at least be processing in, in okay... If we do this, if we make this monumental shift in strategy, they have to think about where the, I mean, they, Ford, you think the Ford CEO isn't thinking about that? Isn't thinking about where the power comes from? Yeah, you would hope, you would think. I'm thinking more in terms of the lawmakers who just say, well, we don't like yeah. pollution. So therefore, this is our answer. Everything goes electric. Haven't thought about where that electric power is generated. Haven't thought about the ability of the grid to handle that. Nobody wants to do nuclear even though that is a way to get out of outside of the nuclear waste that gets stored where at Yucca Mountain or whatever. Outside of that, you know, there's it's it's clean energy production. Everything else has, you know, with the exception of wind and solar and some of these other renewables, right, it has some polluting output. Right. I thought we were all in on natural gas, but now they don't like that anymore either. I mean, I get the... Thirty-eight on Wisconsin's Morning News. Bill Davidson joins us in studio next segment here. I wonder if Bill has a take on this. I'll Although have to ask him. motorcycle plates are different than car plates. This is true. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has the story. Wisconsin lawmakers considering a blackout license plate. 
So the plate. What's it look like? It would be all black with just white lettering, say Wisconsin at the top, and then just the the lettering would be in white, and that's it. And the reason they're considering this is because it's being done in Iowa and in Minnesota, and very popular enough where the paper says Iowa's generated thirty million dollars in revenue from people going after these blackout plates. Now, I thought the reason you'd get this plate is because maybe it's just like a sleeker look for your vehicle, depending on what kind of car you drive. Uh, and maybe that is the case. But uh, the paper, the, some of the lawmakers involved in pushing this forward are saying it's more of a, a nostalgic look, like an old school look, so to speak. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the yellow, the, the black letters on the yellow license yeah. plate. Which yeah. is pretty ugly, <laughs> especially depending on the color of your. Yeah, car. right. So you got a nice, nice looking vehicle, or whatever. And that, that I guess, <laughs> but our our plate now is fairly benign. Yeah, as I think they should be. Probably yeah. it is. It is sharp. I don't know that I pay extra for it. And if you like that, so someone said I've already seen these. The one for um, Road America, Road America similar. in Elkhart Lake, yeah. is black and white, and it's got like the track yes. on it on the left hand side. So that's similar to that, but there'd be no track, just nothing else, just very simple. I want to know whether or not the white lettering will rub off. You know, like can we <laughs> just keep like it? Our, our regular plates? <laughs> yeah, can we keep it like our normal, you know, our plates, and just have that same same situation where we have to like get white out to make sure that the letters can be shown? I suggested like you know since. Apparently, it seems that license plates are optional, at least in Milwaukee. You know, like, why bother? <laughs> Vehicle looks a lot cleaner just without a plate, and that seems to not bother anybody around here. Were you surprised by how many yes. specialty license plates there are? I would have guessed a dozen. There are more than 50, says the paper. More than 50 specialty license plates available in Wisconsin. So you got your sports teams. Bucks have one. Brewers, Packers have yeah. one. Mac Fun's got one, at least one. Mm-hmm. I know. Wolves, right? Got the... <laughs> my, dad, my dad had wolf plates oh, for a while. Yeah, he did. Got the Road you, America. Knowing my dad, can you see that? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, a wolf plate, yeah. Very nice. A little howling wolf on yeah, there. It's sharp looking. Right. Yeah, and with those plates, typically there's a payment then to the nonprofit or you know, certain money goes back to the Packers or whatever. So this one would go to state transportation projects. So if you'd like to help pay for the barrels I can put out every... You want to fix the damn roads? <laughs> yes. Right, where's he was on that? Get the, uh, the blackout license plate. Actually, this isn't a done deal. They're still kind of pushing it through the process. It may be a bit, but eventually it could be something Wisconsin does. We're going to stick with the roads next. Bill Davidson from the Harley-Davidson Museum joins us to talk about Harley-Davidson's homecoming celebration this summer and all the things going on there. That's next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Coming once again this summer, the now annual Harley-Davidson Homecoming Festival. It will run July 25th through the 28th. Events all over town, including and especially the Harley-Davidson Museum and Veterans Park. In studio this morning, Vice President of the Harley-Davidson Museum, Bill Davidson. It's great to be here. Are you President of the Museum or are you VP? Uh, well, Depends on who you ask. Currently I don't know. VP, okay. but oversee it. I am transitioning into a little bit newer role, though. Are you going to break some news right here? Does well, anybody know this? It's 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 been ahead, something I've been doing all my life, which is an ambassador of Harley Davidson, and uh, I'm going to do that more full time and travel around the world, meeting and greeting our fans and yes. riders and dealers, and I'm pretty excited. 
That's funny because I just told Eric, I'm like, you know, Bill's coming in today, and like, I think your unofficial title for a long time has been host. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything we do HD related in this town, you're like, you're the guy at the center of it all. One, because, you know, you're that guy, but also because you enjoy the hell out of it. Oh, I'm so passionate about it. You know, growing up in this tremendous business with the family and following in the footsteps of my great-grandfather, who was one of the founders, my my grandfather, who was president from 42 to 73, Willie, my dad, my sister. I mean, it, it is... It's passion. It's love. We we enjoy the sport. We love the customers. We love our dealers, and it's just really good times. Bill, and, can you walk Vince off the ledge a little bit? Like all I've been hearing about <laughs> the last couple of weeks is his concern for Harley Fest in a good way, a, a genuine concern, because the air show is the same weekend, German Fest is the same weekend. Everything is happening at once, and this guy's freaking out. What now? And, no, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure that everybody knows. That's going to be a lot of people down there on the lakefront. And you know what? I love it because Milwaukee is a gem, and it's kind of a hidden gem. And when we can work together with all of these activities, it's just going to bring people together from all walks of life. And we're excited about it. We think it's going to be a tremendous weekend in Milwaukee. There will be one day, so the Saturday of the homecoming, where you'll have the concert at Veterans Park will also coincide with the air show wrapping up that particular day, Bill. There's something you guys can do together, maybe? Because the tail end of the air show, folks are like, I don't know what I'm thinking here. Can some sort of jet or helicopter land in the middle of something? So what's really great is... (laughs) See, I'm helping, Eric. That's a great idea. You are helping. (laughs) The collaboration between the event organizers and planners has been tremendous. And so we're... Like I said, we're really excited. Milwaukee's going to be the place to be July 25th through the 28th. You mentioned your dad, Willie, and uh, so many folks who are writers and fans of your brand know him personally because they've come up to him much as they come up to you over the years at all of these festivals. And in particular, this year at the homecoming, you're going to honor him. What, what, in, what specifically are we going to do to see Willie G out there? So Willie, my dad, is... Uh, an amazing individual. Uh, besides being somebody I truly love, my dad, he's an amazing artist. He's painting watercolors every single day. He designed some iconic motorcycles over the years. He's influenced the motorcycle industry. Uh, he certainly is a leader, being one of the original 13 that bought the company back in 1981 from AMF. And he's a legend. You know, he gets out and shakes hands and takes photographs and signs autographs. And he and my mom did that for many, many, many years all over the world. And so his leadership of buying the company back and rebuilding it after some really tough times and everything that he's contributed to Harley-Davidson in the industry, we're going to honor him during the homecoming. And it's going to be really, really fun. The now, things that we've got planned. Is he jumping out of a plane, or what do we see? Well, he'd see? probably like to, but i got to talk him out of that. Yeah, that may be right. It's going to be exciting enough, Dad. Right. How about doing this thing every year, Bill? That's that's new. You know, we were on the fives for the big numbers in terms of the anniversary. Making homecoming an annual event. It's a heavy lift every year. It is a heavy lift, but well worth it. Because we feel that Milwaukee can be a motoculture culture destination. Milwaukee has so much to offer. 
besides Harley-Davidson's birthplace and everything we have, the Harley-Davidson Museum, Juno Avenue, where we're going to open up Davidson Park, our powertrain operations, where during the homecoming we're going to be giving test rides on our 2024 motorcycles. Besides all that, we've got beautiful culture here, the architecture, the food and beverage, the roads to ride on. It's fantastic. The Lake Michigan, it's just such a great place. And I truly believe that an event every year will be something that people will look forward to. And uh, then every five years, we'll ramp it up a little bit for those awesome anniversary celebrations that we've been having. Uh, man, anything like last year at the Foo Fighters, you got the Red Hots this year. I mean, my gosh, you, you bring in acts like that every year, people are come no matter what. We're so excited. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jelly Roll, Hardy. Yep, yep. I mean, it's it, and what's so fun for me is when I'm out and about and talking with friends or meeting somebody, that's the discussion. I can't wait to go see Jelly Roll. I can't wait to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is fantastic. So it's very rewarding, and it's going to be very, very exciting again for our homecoming. I know one of your favorite things is also mine. It's meeting people from all over the world who've come here to Milwaukee. And you mentioned we have the roads to ride bikes on. When they bring their bikes in or um, maybe they rent one or whatever, but they ride around here, they do talk about what a friendly motorcycle culture that we have here in Milwaukee and southeast Wisconsin, that it's different from some of the countries they're coming from. In particular, I remember meeting the Germans, and they're like, our bikes don't sound like this overseas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it's such a cool happening. When you, you, you add up the birthplace of Harley-Davidson, 121 years of history, and then you bring in the bikes and you bring in the people from all walks of life, that culture just it incubates into happiness and smiles and conversations. And people will take day trips out to Holy Hill or along the lakefront or down south. I mean, it's just... It's really fun, and that, if I have, I had to summarize in one word the event, homecoming or anniversaries, it's fun. Talking with Bill Davidson, uh, the Harley-Davidson Museum ambassador for the brand. Where, where are you traveling this year? you have other things uh, I that am. you'll do ahead of I, the homecoming? I will be at European Bike Week in September, which is in Austria. Um, I'm looking at a a trip possibly over to London coming up in May. Uh, I Potentially in France in June. Um, the last weekend of May, uh, it's like the 31st, the 1st, and the 2nd, is the King of the Baggers race at Elkhart Lake, which Sweet. is fantastic. I'll be up there for sure. Hopefully get Willie up there again in the golf cart and tool around. And I should mention, you and I have uh, friends, shared friends who have traveled with you. And so I, I don't need you to tell me, they've told me when when Bill and when Willie G and the others go overseas, it's, it's rock star it's like status. The Pope like you can't, mo- you can't move around. It's wild, man. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. You know, I think it's, um, they're not... In the U.S., they're not in Milwaukee, so when they have a chance to meet us, it's more rare. And so when we show up at these activities, it's like, I gotta get them, I gotta get a photo, I want an autograph, and it's 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 very rewarding. It really is. You've probably seen some incredible tattoos. 
Amazing <laughs> tattoos. Yes, right. absolutely. Yes. In fact, during the 100th anniversary, there was a gentleman that came up to the family. Willie and my mom and my sister and I and my brother were standing in a press conference area. A gentleman came up and he goes, I got to show you my tattoo. Took a shirt off and on the back... He had a tattoo of the four founders of Harley Davidson. Wow, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like Mount Rushmore. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Did you ask if he could just be an exhibit in the museum? <laughs> hey, well, listen, we'll pay you to stand here every day for eight hours. Just keep your shirt off. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> Bill Davidson with us today. Always great to see you, Bill. And I look Thank forward you. to more details coming out. January, uh, July twenty fifth through the twenty eighth will be Harley Davidson's Homecoming Festival, and it'll be no problem. Be perfect. At the same time as the Milwaukee Air and Water Show. Great to see you, my friend. Great to see you guys. Thank you so much. 855 on Wisconsin's Morning News.